0: Welcome to what I think is a very special edition of the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics podcast, because today we are talking to a panel of working American truck drivers about their lives over the road. I'm very excited to meet in person Desiree Wood, known to many people as Trucker Desiree. I've followed Trucker Desiree on social media for a long time to learn from One Step Removed on what driving life is like. Desiree has 15 years in the industry where she not only carries loads, but she also is a real vocal advocate for positive change in the industry through an organization that she created and leads called Real Women in Trucking. Desiree, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for inviting me. And I've been in the industry a little bit less. uh, I think it's 13 years now, and I really appreciate you guys inviting me.
0: Oh, thank you. We are honored (laughs) to have you. So oftentimes when we think about truck drivers, we think about the term Knights of the Roads, the heroes who are out there on America's transportation network, carrying the loads, but also keeping us all safe. And we're joined by a real Knight of the Road today, Mr. Mark Cavanaugh, who has won multiple awards, but the one that I'm referencing there is a Goodyear Highway Hero Award in 2016 for helping to rescue a fellow driver in an accident. Mark, thank you so much for what you do for the community and thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: We're also joined by Paul Merehofer, known to many of his adoring fans as Long Haul Paul. Paul has spent decades as an owner-operator crisscrossing the country carrying freight. But in addition to that, he's also a beautiful recording artist, recording songs about the trucking life under the name Long Haul Paul. And he's also the host through Overdrive Magazine of a podcast I highly recommend called Over the Road. So thank you, Paul, very much for joining
3: us. Thank you for uh, inviting me. Hello, Desiree. Hello, Mark.
0: My name is David Carell. I'm a research scientist at the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics, where I also co-direct something called the Freight Lab that studies all sorts of freight transportation with a heavy emphasis on trucking. A project that I'm leading as part of the Freight Lab is called the Driver Initiative, where what we want to do is understand the working lives, the utilization, the quality of life of America's truck drivers. Uh, you know, you all have several years' experience in the industry, and not everyone in our listening audience, you know, knows drivers or knows what it's like to be a driver. Could you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the industry, and then you've been in it for a while. So, what keeps you in it too?
1: The thought of working in an office just made my skin crawl, so I was really trying to find something I was moving around and using my skills, um, and I found trucking, and I love the job. I love driving as soon as I started learning
3: about it. Well, Dave, I, you know, that was always a hard question for me, and I, my daughter uh, loaned me her uh, copy of Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck, Page one of Travels with Charlie explained my whole life to me, and Steinbeck said from the time he was a boy, he had this disease, and the name of the disease was Anywhere But Here. So by the time I was 16, I was a guest worker in Germany. I still proudly have my Gastarbeiter papers, and I suppose if I'd lived in Gloucester, I'd be on some ship somewhere. I, I don't know why. It's possibly a personal deficit, but I, I got to be somewhere other than here.
0: Thank you. Mark, what brought you to the industry and, and what keeps you in it?
2: I was in construction before I started this. Physically, it was real demanding. And I wanted to find a stable career because I don't jump go from job to job to job. And um, I love to drive. So I put myself through school. And in March of 1999, I obtained my CDL and I've stayed in it ever since. I enjoy seeing the country and I get paid to do it. There are places that most people won't see that, that we've been, that we've been to, you know. And we can take time off anywhere in the country we want. Yeah, I, I love this job. There's nothing else I'd want to do. And after 22 years almost now, I'll continue to do it until I retire.
0: Thank you. Let me jump um, right to the other side of that. Then, you know, what's the worst part of making a career in trucking?
1: Some of the worst things are is a lot of misinformation when you enter. The training is absolutely horrible and some of the people that survive it are just from sheer dumb luck. <laughs> you know, that they just happened to get a trainer that taught them and they were working for a company that they were able to get through the first year so. But there's a lot of people that go with all their hopes and dreams, those orientation centers thinking they can do this and then they find out they get a, a horrible trainer, they're assaulted during training Um, Don't know what they're doing. And when the first winter comes, like what's going on today, they're involved in a big pile up because nobody taught them how to drive in the winter.
2: Well, I agree that uh, the training that that's given today is absolutely horrible. And that really needs to be, be revamped somehow. But my hardest thing that I've been doing it for so long is not being home. Now, mind you, that's by choice. You know, we have regional loads, we have dedicated loads. We, you know, you could be home more often. So, being out on the road is my choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to see my, see my, my oldest niece now. She's in her mid-thirties and, and planning to get married. And I remember holding her as a baby, and that was probably the most time we spent together. You know, oh. so that's the that's that's the hardest part.
3: Um. I get it, you're, you're away from home. You know, everyone signed up for that. Trucking, especially LTL, especially reefer trucking, um, refrigerated freight trucking, um, can make a liar of you when you didn't want to lie. You know, you, you tell your daughter I'll be home tomorrow and then some knucklehead has, has got two pallets of cheddar that you're waiting on and he's still in uh, Kenosha. And, and it, so LTL, Freight made a liar of you because you got blindsided. Um, I, I mean, everybody knows there's time away from home, but when you when you make promises and for whatever reason there's a systemic failure that prevents you from keeping your promise, uh, that that's hard.
0: Oh gosh, thank you. Uh, that plays right into sort of the next side of my question. One of the things that I'm really interested in in, in this conversation is understanding what shippers and receivers do that that can on the one hand maybe make a truck driver's life better improve quality of life improve utilization or the flip side of that what is it that shippers and receivers do that that sometimes makes quality of life worse or take home pay
2: lower yeah do you, you know you show up on time for your appointment or even early and they, they get you right to a door within two hours they've given you a green light your paper and them your paperwork, and you're back out again. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's perfect. That's that's starting that's starting to happen more and more often. But uh, they bring your your paperwork to the door, you know, to your door for you, so you don't have to go back inside. So that that's my ideal uh, customer service.
3: I'll tell you the uh, about the greatest food warehouse I've ever been to it was 14 years ago. is when I still found my own loads. It was Cisco Foods in Alachua, Florida. And whoever designed and implemented that warehouse was to food warehouses and trucking, what Temple Grandin is to cows and slaughterhouses. They designed the most perfect food warehouse. You got there, you checked in with the guard. He said, at three o'clock in the morning, I'm gonna call you and we'll assign you at the door boom three o'clock in the morning here comes your call they put you in a door and by the time you could even use the restroom you're empty the person who designed that should be canonized there should be votive candles of that individual for sale and every truck stop I so <laughs> truckers like me could light a votive candle and quietly meditate by it okay. <laughs> all right so A good experience
1: for me is when you arrive and they're ready for you and they have a door for you and they have a bathroom for you to use and a clean driver lounge where you can have a seat or microwave something and get some snacks out of the machine if you need to. Have a place to walk your dog. Getting you in and out of there is probably the most important thing. Treat you with respect. A lot of them don't. Signage is a big thing. And if you're out of hours, having a small area that you could park the truck and do your 10-hour break so that you don't have to be uh, violating your hours of service trying to find your way to truck parking and then truck stop and then find out there's no parking there. So those are the big things. You go someplace like that, you're like, oh, at least I'll come here again.
0: So I think it's so valuable what you said, treating the driver with respect. What's an example of doing that?
1: Well, um, when when you come in, Sometimes they're just, the way they talk to you is just like you are dirt. You'll see signs in there, no bathrooms for drivers. This lounge is for our workers, no drivers allowed. I mean, the first thing you have to do after you've been driving for a long time is use the restroom, you know, but you got to sign in on the board. Another thing that they do is they want you to give them your CDL. Everywhere you go, you're giving people that you don't even know most valuable thing that you have, your license to do your job that has all your identifying. You have to write it on some clipboard and leave it there. And they've got pages and pages of people's personal identification. And you've got somebody that's like, we'll call you when we have a door. you know. And, and three hours later, you're sitting there and you're like, am I gonna get a door? We said we'd call you back to your truck, back to your truck. So just the way the very way they talk to you, it's 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 very degrading at a lot of these places. And I recently in one week had two places I went that kept me 10 hours. I have unloaded freight, I have loaded freight, I've loaded these trailers. I know how long it takes. It doesn't take 10 hours. So when i'm having to sit in my truck now i got to go out on the road and drive like that the middle of the night and i'm tired and i'm stressed i haven't been able to eat anything except for peanut butter that i've got in the truck so there's so many things that could be improved to bring the stress level down off the drivers and you know when you're an owner operator you have the luxury of saying well i'll never never go there again and write a bad review on google and all other drivers that are considering going and picking a, lot, a load up from but when you're a company driver you're at the mercy of the dispatcher you don't know where you're going until you know they give you the address and and then you don't have time to say yay nay you don't have a choice a lot of times so
2: as she was saying the the attitude that you're given i mean it, it can be horrible if they say anything to you at all you don't even get a hello you know, or it'll be they'll just you know take your paperwork and then tell you your door, and you know we'll call you, and you could be there for six, eight, ten hours. I was that one customer for as many as eighteen hours, yeah. and I got paid for the detention time. But that is stressful on a driver. But they should at least have a have a, a bathroom for for the drivers. I mean, that's that should be a you know fundamentally right you know, women's and dead men's bathroom. We're there for hours on it, but they expect us to use a bottle in the truck or a bucket or a portage on that hasn't been cleaned in two weeks, you know, and some of the places you go to are really disgusting. Yeah. And it, it, they really should be cleaned up and the health department should be notified.
0: That's a great point. How, how often in your experience, Mark, how often do you go to a place that does it right? And how often, uh, you end up going to a place that, that has some of those horror stories to it?
2: I would say maybe 60% of the time, you know, they get it. They're getting it right. Because it's gotten a lot better over the years, a lot better. But the rest of the time, you just have a horrible experience all the way around. I, then, I think
1: I think it depends on the freight, too. Dry freight is a little different than food. Food is the worst.
2: Yeah. Yes, it is. It really? is. You know, And then, you know, you get to a customer to get low they want you to have a clean trailer so you sweep out your trailer you go to the, the receiver they unload your trailer and it's trashed you know all the, the wood pallet pieces will be all over the floor uh boxes will be that had that they hit will be on the floor so now you have to sweep the trailer out because they're not gonna do it but you can't do it on their facility because they don't want the trash in parking lot so now you have to go and find, find some place to clean out your trailer
0: I want to make sure that, that we sort of bookmark that shippers and receivers contribute positively or negatively to the driver's quality of life through the respect that they pay drivers uh, at their appointments. What about you know your take-home pay and your utilization? How do good shippers and bad shippers negatively or positively affect how much driving you get done and then you know how much you get paid?
1: So that's a big thing is the driver the way drivers are paid, cents by the, by the mile, which really conceals how many hours they work for free. There's only so many miles you can drive a week legally, but there's a lot of other hours you can work for free that don't have nothing to do with your logbook. So you have 70 hours you can drive on your logbook, but a lot of drivers are working up to 100 hours a week because of this detention time. And like Mark just said, cleaning out your trailer. So you just got to load of something and you got to go somewhere else. You, you can't just sweep it out, you gotta go wash it out. So you go get in the line to wash it out at the truck wa- wash and the line is down the block, but you can't get your other load until you clean out that trailer. This is all unpaid work time. This 20, 30 hours a week of unpaid work time.
0: Probably a challenge to do. What would you want a shipper or a receiver listening to this to know about the working conditions of the drivers carrying their loads?
2: They- they all around need to change their attitude towards the drivers. We're not, ju- we're not just you know, hauling their freight. We're also providing for the country. You know We are essential to this country and they need to understand that and treat us with a lot more respect than what we're getting.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, that's the bottom line. But I, I think that you could impanel drivers who would be happy to tell you what would improve your facility from a you know from the standpoint of an outsider coming in because I think what shippers what I wish shippers and receivers would would consider is consider everybody just just pretend that everybody coming in, in there is from Mars and needs needs it broken down.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I attend a lot of truck parking meetings on a federal level and on a, a state level. And you know, when we were doing the first driver surveys, one of the questions to the drivers was, "Will you name the shippers and receivers that are making your life the most difficult?" A lot of drivers were afraid to name the shippers and receivers because of retaliation. So what happens is, say the upper management learns, okay, these drivers are being detained here. I'm getting pushback from my executive level. So you guys down in the warehouse that are doing these loads in the middle of the night, you have to do better because you're making me look bad. So then I've been in a situation where they made me sign in at a time that I wasn't there. And if I didn't do it, I wasn't going to get the load. So you get into some situations once you're in the warehouse that, you know, whatever the senior level executives saying that's not what's happening up on your loading dock. Okay, that's not what's happening. Okay, you need to go, you know, put on a t-shirt and go down to your warehouse and see how it really works, dude, because this is not working right. There's people that would, you know, can get this done in an efficient way and they're not the ones operating your facility.
0: The audience that we typically have doesn't have that kind of on-the-ground level insight, so that is going to be very valuable. Thank you.
1: <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> so, a, a second mystery that I was hoping you all could, could help me unravel and help my students unravel because we're we're facing it and we can't figure it out is We look a lot at um, ELD data. We see drivers getting around six and a half to seven hours driving a day on average. When, you know, as this audience knows, a driver could drive 11. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of hours left on the table. And we see that. And then at the same time, we read the news and the news says, oh, there's a big truck driver shortage. There's a big truck driver shortage. I don't understand how something can be both scarce and underutilized at the same time. If we are so short on drivers, why aren't drivers getting all the miles they want to carry the loads?
2: One is the lack of training, the lack of proper uh, drivers getting the knowledge of how to use their hours correctly. And again, it comes back to training. It goes from the school to the trainers that they have out on the road. That's first thing. The, the trainer should be able to show them how many hours they can run without running out of hours. And you can run, you know, eight hours a day and never run out of hours. So at the end of your 70 hours, you don't have to take a 34-hour break to regain your 70 hours because you can pick up hours after midnight. Okay, so you don't have to run out of hours. However, a lot of drivers today and it's gone for years are lazy. They don't want to drive very far. So if they're not running, they're not making money. It's not the ELDs. You know, all of us have run but logbook, paper logbooks before we've run elds now and the elds actually saves you more more time than the paper logbooks did okay so laziness and and lack of planning you can plan your trips to where you don't you're not stranded somewhere in 22 years i have never parked on a ramp okay on an off ramp on an on ramp on the ramps to rest areas I've always planned my trips to where I know where I can find a place to park safely where there's a bathroom. You know, it's so it's, you know, lack of training, laziness and lack of planning.
0: And, and how hard but before we go to Desiree, just to follow up there. So thinking about, you know, like a, a young buck coming out of a uh, driver training school, they've, they've learned about the vehicle. Have they learned nothing about how to plan around the hours of service and how hard of a skill is that to learn?
2: Given the time and their um, will, willingness to listen, in an hour I could, I could give them a pretty good idea as to what needs to get done. But it does take several days to be able to on-job training, see what's going on, you know, see how things are working, and see how you can run your hours better.
1: What I find is new drivers are—they go where their company has fuel. That's all they know. You know, uh, the first year you're trying to learn your way around this country, where you can park. Uh, you may go to a town one time and you may not go there till next year. So you don't really get familiar with the country after the until after the first year. You might start re- recognizing places so when you have a new driver and all they know is go to pilot go to ta and then they're not getting done until the evening the place fills up there's no place to park a lot of them don't have the knowledge to go well if you go one more exit there's an old mom and pop truck stop there that has a huge parking lot probably a better restaurant
3: these are things that they're not taught they don't have a comfort zone for that there are, you know, when you get around these major megalopuses in, in the United States, it's just not conducive to put truck stops in. And so you have this, this you know, what I call these like logistical moats. I run that I-75 corridor all the time. And, you know, the, the furthest point, if you're coming out of Indiana, Ohio, Michigan with a load, furthest point where you can reasonably expect to find a parking space is probably a dearestville or um dalton georgia you can plow into atlanta and run out of hours or or hope to make jackson where there's probably not going to be any parking so you have these i wanted i wanted to start a thing you know it's like what if we could start this thing and call it parking deserts and just get that into the like the national lexicon Mm -hmm. and uh I hate this, guys, but I have got to take this call. It's from work. I'll be right back.
1: (laughs) Let me pick up where Paul was saying. It's a lot the case on a lot of interstates. I'm going to look at my hours and go, I am not going to be able to make it through Houston. The traffic is unpredictable. So if I get to Houston at this time and get stuck in traffic, and I don't know any places between Houston and San Antonio that I want to be able to park before I run out of hours now I've been doing interstate 10 for many years now so I know it like the back of my hand but that is was not the case when I was in my first couple years it took me a lot of years to know where I've got I got a secret hiding place all over the place to stop now
0: I have no control over American culture, but if I did, <laughs> I would hope that everyone would be reminded that in this really strange pandemic year, the role that truck drivers played in getting us through the pandemic and getting the PPP to everyone that needed it and redesigning your networks and your loads as the home body economy really took over the U.S. and we all were able to stay out of harm's way thanks to the deliveries the truck drivers are making. So Thank you for everything you're doing, and I hope that this unique American moment is a time when, as consumers, we hear you better. I want to open it up to the drivers on the panel. What did I miss in this conversation? And maybe it will be what we talk about next time.
2: Um, I will say, though, that the industry, the trucking industry as a whole, is an excellent place to work. Different things that you can do to, to fit in with what you wanna do, whether is be home, be on the road, and uh, it's very profitable and you can learn a lot and you can be proud of you know, take, you know, helping to take care of the, of, the, of the nation.
0: Absolutely, thank you. Is there anything that, that we didn't get to this time that you think we should have or we should plan for for next time?
1: For me, you know, um, I would like the supply chain community to start being have some more awareness that they are using a student fleet. They're not using an experienced level fleet. They're saving a few pennies on shipping costs by using these training fleets. There is a lot of rape and assaults that go on in these student teams when you're using team business model student fleets. That's something I would like people in the supply chain to be have more awareness of when you're using, and consumers, uh, you have a you're saving money on your your shipping costs at what person's expense? And you should be able to identify a truck and go. That's a student fleet, and that's a student fleet that has team driving as their business model. It's very dangerous.
0: Wow, thank you, and and thank you all for your time. I know that you are on the road doing this job, and you carved out an hour for us to help us understand. The, the real working life of American truck drivers. So thank you very much for the time you've given to the conversation. And I, I really hope you'll stay in touch.
2: Thank you very much. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the future. Yes. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: We are lucky enough The Long Haul Paul is going to play us out.
4: 1989 Diesel was just a dollar so we came from the hills and hollows Just to work that broken line So you take your truck With a big block mechanical commons Super up till it was time Just like the mo' boys running shine We burned down, in second morning Detroit under Salinas upon the thieves and bandits we bore between us it was the golden age of the good old boy then it was 97 i was a hardcore true believer there was a good girl but i had to leave for the church of the western star but i paid my tithes to the polishers of chrome, And I called the road my home, I just knew I was going far. We burned down the next day, Bell Glades to Cincinnati. Stopped about an hour just past the Ringo Scales, But later night I could hear my mama and my daddy. Stay in college,
3: Paul, while that turbo wails.
4: Straight shots to Miami On two few nights in my own bed They had to carry me back home to India Seven broken bones left these scars upon my head And now it's all nineteen Little hobbled when I walk in, little cut back on my top. I'm just trying to stay out of the way, but my record's clean. And they tell me that I'm complying, it's more like too old to be defying, though I still dream about those days. Well, there used to be a quiet understanding. right on town. Now I'm busted on the cruel backside of Manning with some triple-digit large car in my...
1: everyone thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed this edition of mit supply chain frontiers my name is arthur grau communications officer for the center and i invite you to visit us anytime at ctl.mit.edu or search
2: for mit supply chain frontiers on your favorite listening platform until next time